Warning. Deep Fix contains adult content and language. So if you don't touch processed foods but eat gummy bears, this may not be for you. And now, Deep Fix. Hello, and welcome to Deep Fix, where we get a fix of all of our favorite obsessions. I'm your host, Jen B. And this season, we've been diving deep into the epic Real Housewives of New York City, seasons one through three. In this episode, we're breaking down season two, episode 12, the season two finale, Charity Wives. Now, let's get our fix. Well, we've reached the season two finale, which means we're getting that much closer to season three, Scary Island, all of our fan favorites. But as I mentioned before, we don't really get to season three unless we go through season one and two, and the season two finale does not disappoint. We've been watching the cracks form between Bethany and Jill's relationship, and I think they've never been more apparent than they have at the season finale party, which is Jill's charity event for Creaky Joints, where there is a major blow up between Jill and Bethany. And as I've said, we've seen this coming. It's not the first we've seen of the cracks. It's just about to be blown wide open. And don't forget, this is a to-be-continued episode from episode 11. And what I love about it is they just pick right back up. There's no recap. I feel like a lot of times now the Housewives episodes when there's a to be continued, there's about a five minute overlap where they replay what we saw the week before to kind of get us in the mood. Not here. They jump right into where we left off, which I love it. It doesn't take up some of the time of the episode to go back and replay what we saw the episode before. They dive right in and pick right back up where we left off, which is Jill's attempted truce between Bethany and Kelly, which of course goes nowhere. And I love this episode for so many reasons. So let's jump right into a quick summary of the episode, because it's turtle time. All right, it's turtle time, which means we're going to do a quick summary of the episode. So as for Jill, she is in full swing with final planning for her charity event, and we see the stress building at the final meeting with all the ladies, which is held at Jill's condo, of course. And we get some classic narcissist moves from Jill at this meeting, where she has a complete meltdown on Ramona over promoting Zarin Fabrics at the event. We also see Jill totally embarrass her daughter Allie while trying to have the talk, the sex talk with her, and yes, on camera. Poor Allie. And then in a very interesting move, which like I said, we're seeing the cracks split wide open, she takes Kelly, of all people, with her to pick up some donated auction items where she kisses Kelly's ass, acts like they're really good friends. It's very confusing, unless you understand what's going on. And with hindsight of season three, we understand what's going on. But the jeweler who's donating the items is such a hoot. So we do get a fun scene out of it at the very least. And then Jill does attend the Moroccan fashion show in support of Bethany, which Bethany is hosting. So it's not all blood sport. And then finally, we see Jill as she sets up the morning of her charity event and totally freaks out and really betrays Bethany over signage at the Skinny Girl Bar, which then turns into quite a heated argument between Bethany and Jill at the charity event, which becomes the final party, which all in all for Jill turns out to be a success. 
Now, Ramona, she arrives, of course, to Jill's charity event late and proceeds to then school Jill on charity etiquette when Jill demands publicity for Zarin Fabrics. And spoiler alert, Ramona is totally right on this one. She also comes in big for the charity with donations and sponsors, so Jill should have been a little bit more gracious. Ramona also shows up for Bethany and attends the Moroccan fashion show with Mario. And then Ramona helps Jill set up for the charity event, where they proceed to shit-talk Bethany over the bar signage, and Ramona, of course, helps stir the pot. And then lastly, we see she and Mario attend Jill's charity event, where she closes out the episode in a classic dancing moment with she and Simon, her nemesis, in a surprise turn of events, and it gives us just an epic way to close out the season finale. Now, Luann gets a few scenes in her own right this episode. She, of course, attends Jill's final charity meeting, where she plays a bit of the referee between Jill and Ramona, tries to keep the calm. And then we see she and the Count, they get to ring the bell in at NASDAQ in honor of their charity work with an auditory oral school in Brooklyn. And then we get a lot of uh, Luann at home, where she and Rosie have Bethany come over to give Rosie some cooking lessons. And of course, they end up talking relationships as well. And then lastly, Luann, of course, also attends Jill's charity event. But we don't really get much of her due to the Jill-Bethany drama, which takes center stage. Kelly, on the other hand, she gets some help from Jill to get some airtime for this finale episode. Kelly is also at the charity meeting at Jill's house, but she's really more of a passive observer. I think the Ramona-Jill battle takes center stage there. And as I said in an interesting turn of events, Kelly also goes with Jill to pick up donations. And we see Kelly get praised and fawned all over by Jill and the jeweler, but she doesn't really add much to the scene. The jeweler really is hilarious and takes over. She then is a no-show, shocker, at Bethany's Moroccan fashion show, and then we see her at the final charity event party where Jill almost forgets to acknowledge her. As for Alex, we don't get much of her during the finale other than at Jill's charity meeting where she admits she hasn't invited a single person and they're five days out from the event. But we do see that she's given some help to Bethany with the logo. We get the unveiling of the Skinny Girl logo. And then we get that classic scene I mentioned earlier with Simon and Ramona, which carries out the final minutes of the episode in which they have a hilarious dancing scene after Ramona critiques Simon's outfit. And don't worry, we'll get into Simon's outfit as tutu-fufu. It's a freaking classic. And then lastly, Bethany, we see her host and walk in the Moroccan fashion show, where she also tries her hand at a little bit of comedy. And then most importantly, we see the battle go down between she and Jill over the signage at the Skinny Girl Bar. And we don't know it yet, but it sets us up perfectly for the season three opener and the Jill Bethany drama. So with that, let's get into a deep dive of the episode because it's time to mention it all. The season two finale opens up as a to-be-continued, as we mentioned, and it opens right back up onto Jill's Upper East Side condo. If you recall, Jill tried to broker some sort of talk truce between Bethany and Kelly. Kelly totally freaked out with the stop, Bethany, stop, in her most annoying show ever. And of course, nothing came of it. Kelly goes to get the wine for Ramona. 
And when we open up, she's returned with the wine. And Jill says that she's given up on trying to make friends between Kelly and Bethany. We see Luann and Christina de Simone, Jill's very rich friend who's helping her out with the charity. They arrive, and so the charity meeting can begin. Jill does point out that Ramona has not arrived, because of course, Jill just cannot help making a dig at Ramona. But Jill's made it nice, to use a Dorinda quote. She's put out some food and some drinks, and she explains to the ladies she's not comfortable unless they're eating and drinking. And Christina announces that this is the last meeting. The ladies all settle into Jill's little seating nook. Remember, she's just had her house redone. And we learn that it is five days out till the event. Christina is going on about tickets. She says they only have 175 tickets sold, and they need 225 tickets to be sold just to break even. Then we get the knock at the door, and Ramona has arrived. She explains that she thought the meeting was being held at Christina's house, so she went across town, which is why she's about 20 minutes late. But no harm, no foul. And as she walks in, we get classic Ramona Pinot Grigio. She needs a wine first. So as the ladies talk, Ramona announces and is very proud of herself that she came in with a $10,000 sponsor. And Jill mentions, well, that's worthy of a step and repeat mention. And for those of you who don't know, a step and repeat is on the red carpet. It's the kind of backsplash where you'll see a lot of the sponsors and donors of an event where all of the celebrities and attendees stop and and are photographed by the paparazzi and press. But Ramona explains that the donor does not want to be on the step and repeat. It is just a, an anonymous donation. And as Ramona explains, it looks like maybe she's in charge of the step and repeat. She says, look, our step and repeat is going to be clean with just the charity name, people reaching out, and Frank Mueller, who was a big donor. Frank Mueller is a luxury watch designer and clearly, I think, gave $10,000, maybe $5,000 to the charity. And Ramona says, we can put any other big sponsors on there, but really, other than that, let's keep it clean, let's keep it neat, and, and move it along. Well, of course, Jill can't let it lie and being as tacky as possible. She says, well, I'm a sponsor. I should be on the the step and repeat. And so it begins. Ramona then jumps up and lets Jill know, Jill, that is freaking tacky. We are not putting Zarin fabrics on the step and repeat of our charity event. And Ramona points out, did you give $20,000 to the charity? And she says, but even if you did, it's freaking tacky. And again, I said it earlier, Ramona is right on this one. That is not how people conduct themselves when they are putting together a charity event. It is not about doing a charity and then promoting your own business. Tacky is the exact right word. Jill, of course, now she's been called on it. And instead of just, she could have just let it lie and go, okay, you're right. I I shouldn't be promoting my business. No problem. I'll let it go. But of course she can't. And so she deflects and says, well, did Frank Mueller give $20,000? It's like, again, you're missing the point. Frank Mueller is not on the board of the charity running it, Jill. And Jill, it's like she just can't let anything lie either. She keeps pushing it. Did did Frank Mueller give $20,000? And Ramona says, look, he gave $5,000. And then Jill, instead of just moving along, goes, fine. Well, then I'll give $5,000. And Ramona, in a mocking way, mocks Jill and says, okay, fine. Then I want True Faith jewelry on there. Then I want Bethany Bakes on there. And she's like, come on, Jill. No, that is so tacky. We're not doing this. And I do like Bethany has a very small little interjection here where she says, did you donate to the event, Jill? And I love that she drops this truth bomb on on Jill. And of course, Jill's like, well, I think bringing in a bunch of sponsors and helping plan the event is donating to the event. But sure, I'll write a check. 
And it's such a bad look. It really is. And Luann even has to call her out. Luann's like, look, I thought this was for arthritis and not about promoting our businesses. Which if you notice, you know, season two of of Roni, I think the ladies really started to pick up on the fact that they could promote their businesses. We see a lot of it. We see True Faith Jewelry, Ramona's True Renewal Skincare Line, Zarin Fabrics, Bethany's Skinny Girl. We, we start to see a lot of it. And Jill, of course, though, takes it to the next level. And Ramona calls it like it is. She says, look, Jill, we're not here to promote you. And it's like, this is Jill's first big charity event that she's running. And she's fighting about self-promotion. It's just so déclassé. I can't even take it. And Luann, in her confessional, we see her say that Jill took the Ramona pill. She was starting to get red in the face and the pill was starting to kick in. And it's like, no, she didn't take the Ramona pill. Jill is just pissed because A, Ramona is right. And B, she called her out for her nonsense. And Jill, really, she's just getting schooled and she can't take it. And Ramona continues to point out, look, we just went to the Russell Simmons Art for Life event. He doesn't splash his company. You know, I think it was Fat Farm at the time, which was his big his big company. He's not putting that splashed all over the step and repeat. And instead of just saying, "Okay, you're right. And again, moving it on and making about the charity, Jill still continues to argue with Ramona. And so Ramona is forced to point out that people who are on charities do not promote their own businesses. She goes on, it's just not done, Jill. It's very déclassé. And again, Ramona is frickin' spot on. And so because Jill was basically put in her place and Ramona was right, she does the typical narcissist response, which is to totally deflect and focus on some other issue. And Jill says, well, that's your opinion. And again, it's like, no, it's not our, it's not Ramona's opinion. It just is. It's tacky. And so Ramona points that out and says, it's not my opinion. In fact, do you want me to take you up to the social register to show you that this isn't my opinion? It's just not the way things are done. And for those of you who don't know, the Social Register is a publication that indexes the members of high society. It was first published in around, I don't know, the 1800s by a newspaper colonist, uh, Lewis Keller. The board remains anonymous. Nobody knows who it is. It's a bit of a mystery also about how you get on the list. Usually, though, you're either born into it or through marriage or sponsorship, but it really is the upper crust of elite society. And it's sometimes they call it the book. Back in the 1880s, the early 1900s, you would go through if you were in the book, it was kind of a a big deal. You were obviously somebody to, to be mentioned. And even better, you're not supposed to even mention that you're on the list. It's really a closed list, and it would be very déclassé to mention that you were on the list. And the social register was eventually acquired by Malcolm Forbes. I believe it was thought that his daughter married into the Lewis Keller family, and that's how it kind of passed into his hands. And now it's owned by Christopher Wolf, who's an investment baker, a Yale grad, the, you know, the type of pedigree you would expect to be owning the social register. But anyway, again, as opposed to focusing on the charity and what it's about, Jill deflects and says, well, do you even know where the social register is located after Ramona says that she'll take Jill up to the social register to show her? And at that point, you can tell if you look in the background, Bethany and Luann, because they're all sitting in that U-shaped couch of Jill's, Bethany and Luann look exhausted by all of this nonsense. And you cut to Jill's confessional. She's wearing this purple silk tank top and a big purple beaded necklace. And I have to say, she's particularly nasty in this interview. I feel like this might have been an interview where they go back and take cuts after the season is done because she is just on one. 
If you remember in the last episode, right before they cut, it's when she makes that comment about Ramona being a Pinot Grigio addict and constantly needing wine. And in Jill's confessional, she says, Ramona walked in with a stick up her ass and is just going on. It's like, no, not at all. We just all saw the scene. She didn't walk in with a stick up her ass. Jill, you're being tacky. You got called out on it and you couldn't handle it. But Luann kind of plays a little bit of referee. She interjects. She stops things from escalating. And she really does keep things moving. But of course, it doesn't take away from the fact that Jill is sitting there fighting with Ramona now about where or whether Ramona even knows where the social register is. It's like, oh, God, Jill, just shut up. So Luann, again, she's keeping it moving. She says, what is wrong with everyone today? Everyone's on their freaking high horses. Like, let's move it along. And then Jill, in one of the best illustrations of projection I have ever seen, she then realizes, I think, how ridiculous she looks. And she's like, look, this is just a step and repeat. It's so ridiculous, Ramona, that you're making such a big deal about this. It's like, exactly, Jill, except you need to be saying that to yourself because you're making the big deal about this. It's total gaslighting. It's ridiculous. But I do think because Ramona, having grown up with an abusive father and learning to be kind of an appeaser, you can tell she's an appeaser. She just tries to make it happy in the end. And she just says, "Okay, fine, let's just move on. And I got to say, Jill is lucky it wasn't me on the other end of that. I would have called out her bullshit, put her in her place because she was blatantly being what does Bethany call her in later episodes? Grabby. And I think Jill knew it was going to be the finale party for the for the season. And there was going to be lots of publicity and lots of cameras around. And as she says, she spent a ton of money on the first two seasons of the show, throwing parties, buying things, giving herself storylines. Because again, you yourself had to be interesting and have interesting things going on in these first few seasons of the show. And I got to give Jill credit for doing that. Because this was back when Housewives tried to put on a show for us. She really was. And I've got to give her at least a little bit of credit as I'm knocking her for being so ridiculous. But she let her desire for publicity and the spotlight take over for the charity. And instead, she's pushing to profit from Zarin Fabrics. And it's just, it's not a good look. So eventually they move on. Ramona kind of appeases her and is like, okay, fine, let's move on. Let's move on. You can tell she just wants to deescalate the situation. But this also just reminded me of how good the original Ramona and Jill battles were. I think they got overtaken with the Jill Bethany, Bethany Kelly kind of drama and fights. But the Ramona Jill interactions and digs, it's so good. They they clearly can't stand each other. Jill is becoming nastier and nastier as the episodes go on. And she just cannot help herself taking a dig at Ramona. And Ramona you know, she's got a big mouth. She's not going to stop saying what she feels. So as they're moving on, Christina goes back to the ticket sales, talking about how badly they need ticket sales and is really begging everyone to get on the ball. And then we see Alex McCord. She arrives. She's a little bit late, she says, because she had to work. And I do I do feel a little bad for Alex in these moments. I think Jill was giving her a bad time for being late. And the ladies don't really seem to understand that she and Bethany are the only ones who are really working. And even more so for Alex. Alex was working for Victoria's Secret at this time. She wasn't running her own business where she could make her own hours. She wasn't married to a wealthy elite guy where she could come and go and lunch as she pleases, she really was working in a a real nine to five job. And so being able to kind of sit in the middle of the afternoon and go to Jill's condo and talk about charity events in the middle of the week, that's really not something that's reasonable for a working mom. But anyway, she does arrive. And then Alex drops the bomb that they haven't invited anybody yet. And Ramona 
really, I shouldn't say just Ramona. Ramona, Jill, Christina, everybody is just disgusted. Ramona's like, you haven't invited anybody yet? We are five days away. And it this one seems strange to me. And so I'm wondering if they really were super busy during this time. And, and I can't figure out how much time had passed between all of the charity meeting events, maybe a month or two. If it was that long, I don't really know why they didn't do anything. Because you would think with all of the parties and events that they relish in attending, that Simon especially would have loved telling all the people whether he knows them or not, to buy tickets for a charity event, which his wife sits on the board for, right? That that would have given the illusion of some sort of social society status. And I'm so shocked that he wasn't out there pushing it and telling everybody who would listen. And it made me think, now this is something that Simon should have been involved in, not the girls' night out. If you remember season one, where Simon clearly in an attempt to get on camera and not be able to let a moment pass to not have his face shown, he shows up to girls night out at Jill's house. And that was absolutely ridiculous. But this, I felt like, wow, this is really where they missed the mark. Simon should have been involved in this. He could have been helping Jill set up, just even with moving the boxes and stuff that we see Jill doing later on, and helping to get the word out. And I feel like he would have loved it just to say that he's involved with all these wealthy elite people putting on a charity, his wife sitting on the board. And it's just so ironic to me that they kind of disengaged from one of the things that they were actually involved in that is a part of high society versus all of this pretend nonsense that they do. They seem to have neglected one of the things they could have done to actually have been a part of it. But I digress. So in Ramona's <laughs> confessional, because as if she needs another reason to be annoyed by Alex and Simon, she explains that this is why Alex and Simon annoy her. She doesn't feel like they add anything. They like to just show up and ride on everyone's coattails, and she's had it. So Jill explains, look, you need to come in with some ticket sales. And in her confessional, she says when she founds out that she hadn't even sent out even an email, her feelings were totally hurt and she was pissed. And, and, you know, I would be too. How hard is it to send out an email to a bunch of people and let them know about the event? It's not really that hard. And then we go back to Ramona's confessional where she explains that Alex is... What's the word she says? A limp noodle. So then we see they're clearly, they've, they're either done with the meeting or they're taking a break. We see Ramona and Luann, they go up to Jill's dining table where she's got a bunch of snacks out. They're grabbing a little bit of a snack and of course, talking shit about Alex. And as Ramona says, like I just did, how easy is it, as she says, to flood emails, which is really just mass sending. And I totally thought that was a word of the times. Flood it and send it, Ramona says. It's not that hard. And the flooding statement I really thought was a, a technology word that really dated the episode. But it looks like everything's coming together for the charity, and hopefully Jill can relax. So the next scene we cut to Luann. She and the Count are going to ring the bell at NASDAQ. They are greeted by Maribel Aber, who is a NASDAQ official. And if you don't know what NASDAQ is, it's a major stock exchange where really most of the technology giants are listed for trading. And they are being recognized for their work with the Auditory Oral School in Brooklyn. Luann looks great, as she always does. I've got to give it to her. That woman has such great style. She's got black pants and heels on with this fabulous black coat. Even just the way that she's tied the, the belt in the coat looks classic. It looks she's just she's a beautiful lady. So they get a tour of the trading floor, and Luann was surprised by how calm and organized it was. I think she was expecting the floor of the stock, the New York Stock Exchange, you know, a bunch of guys screaming and trading, but it was very calm, quiet. And as they're talking with Maribel, 
Luann explains that her husband lost his hearing in one of his ears about five years previous to that, and so it's been a passion of theirs. And I thought it was interesting because it just seemed, I wasn't sure if the Count seems like a very proud man. And and I, I, I know things in their marriage, we don't know it yet, but are falling apart at this point. And I was wondering if Luann was doing that to kind of take a dig at him and maybe show some of his private side that he doesn't like talking about. Who knows? Just Just a guess of mine. And then we see there's a child, I think from the school, that Luann picks up, they're talking to him. And I have to point out that Luann introduces, this kid's maybe like five, I don't know. And Luann introduces him to her husband, and she says, this is my husband, Alex. And I couldn't help but flashback to last season, where Bethany introduces Luann to the driver, and she's like, disgusted, you know, heaven forbid you don't introduce me as Mrs. De La Seps or Countess, because she says, you know, like with kids... And interestingly enough, here she is with a kid. She didn't introduce Alex as Mr. De La Seps, as the Count. She introduced him as Alex. But we see they get introduced. Their their faces are flashed up in New York um, Times Square. And the countdown to the bell is on. They ring the bell, close the stock exchange. We see their name on the Jumbotron in the middle of Times Square as they sign. And Luann mentions that the Count says, well, here's our 30 seconds of fame. So then we cut to Jill. She's with her daughter, Allie, at home, and she goes into Allie's bedroom and tries to have the talk. It's like, oh, God, poor Allie. And of course, she's mortified. And Allie gets an on-the-spot confessional, which, you know, are one of my favorites. And she says, I was mortified. Like, oh, my God, Mom, she's 15. I think it might be a little late to ask her the question of, do you know what sex is, which is what Jill leans into. It's not like she's 10. And so Jill says, do you want the sex talk or do you want the drug talk? And Jill says that she's also uncomfortable. And in fact, she tried to call someone to help her out have this talk, but they weren't available. And I kind of thought that was like ridiculous. Like, Jill, you, you're going to spend money to have someone come in and try to have you talk to your child about sex? Like, I, I don't know. That just seemed like paying someone to be a parent. Like, do your own job, be a parent and have the conversation. So I'm definitely glad there wasn't somebody there having the conversation with them. Or like facilitating it even worse. So of course, Allie is dying, especially when she says, do you know what sex is? She's like, mom. And we cut back to Allie's on the spot confessional. And she says, yeah, I think I know what she's talking about. I'm 15. I'm not an idiot. And so Jill's asking her, is there any drinking going on? And Jill mentions, you know, I have a pee on the stick test for alcohol. And we cut to her confessional and she says her sister turned her on to this, that there's a test that you can have them pee to see if they were drinking. I I didn't know if that's a real thing just to threaten her so she's scared to do it or if this is an actual thing. It's like, oh, for God's sakes. But as Jill explains, anything that ends up with Allie not screaming at her and totally mortified by her is good. And it does end nicely with Jill saying, you can tell me anything and I won't judge you because I love you. I'm like, uh, okay, says one of the most judgmental people on the planet. But anyway, Jill explains to her that she'll always give her her opinion. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> but that she won't judge her. And I love that she says, I won't judge you because I love you. Not that I won't judge you because judging people is horribly wrong and you need to walk a day in someone's shoes before you even attempt to judge them. But she has to add the qualifier because I love you. I won't judge you. And let's be real. Judging people is truly one of Jill's favorite pastimes. Then we cut to Luann. She's at her townhouse and Bethany is arriving to give Rosie some cooking lessons. So Bethany arrives. Luann is in this very cute black Michael Kors dress. 
And Bethany has brought some skinny girl red aprons for she and Rosie, which I thought was really cute. And Bethany explains that they asked her to make a carbonara, which is ironic because she's a natural food chef and they're asking her to make a real fatty, heavy you know, meal, which is really not in her wheelhouse, but she'll she'll take it. I'm sure she loved the fact that she was going to get to have a scene about cooking when here she is trying to be, you know, the most famous natural food chef in the world. Again, I think this is another reason why we love Bethany, because she doesn't treat Rosie like she's the help, like how sometimes Luann does. She just treats Rosie like she's a regular girlfriend. And as the two of them are cooking some as they're mixing, I think it's some cream, it flies up and gets a little bit on Luann. And Luann's like, oh, God. And Bethany's like, we get to her confessional where she says, look, look, Luann, you just stay in the corner. You look pretty. Just keep it over there. Like, we'll do the cooking. And we see Bethany and Rosie as they're cooking. They're talking about boyfriends. Bethany asks Rosie if she has one. She says she does. He's about eight years older than she is. And they've been dating for about a year. And I thought it was sweet. You can see just kind of that old school aristocratic upper crust behavior because Rosie calls Bethany Miss Bethany. I mean, Bethany's like a 37-year-old nobody. And, you know, Rosie's got to be in her 50s at this point. And I just thought it was very telling that she calls her Miss Bethany. But as Bethany says, I can cook with Rosie anytime. Rosie's a cool customer. And we also learned that Rosie was previously married and she has four kids. And so as they sit down after they've cooked the meal to, to test it out, Bethany asks her advice on men. And Rosie is so sweet. And they sit around the table and the scene ends with Bethany getting some advice from the ladies. We get a confessional from Luann where she says, Bethany always loves to ask me my advice on dating. Or it's like, oh, God, get over yourself, Luann. And then the scene ends with Bethany saying, like, oh, it's ridiculous that everyone needs to give me dating advice. I guess next I'm going to go talk to Johan and Francois about dating advice. <laughs> and then the scene ends. And then this next scene, we open up with Jill and Kelly. And as I said before, this is a very interesting choice for Jill. And I think it's so telling as what as to what was really going on behind the scenes. Because if Jill's supposed to be Bethany's best friend, after all the bullshit that Kelly has put Bethany through, not to mention the I'm up here, you're down here shit, but just even the conversation that just happened at Jill's house in with Jill and uh, with Bethany and Kelly sitting in Allie's room with a stop, Bethany, stop. The fact that Jill continues to push for Kelly, give her airtime, make her look good and act like she's somehow friends with Kelly, I would find so insulting if I was Bethany. And I think that's a little bit of what's going on. And and Jill's being very underhanded here. So we see them there with Jill's driver. They're going to pick up donations for a charity event. They're going to Jerry Cohen Jewelry. And Jerry is a freaking character. She should have been a New York housewife, if you ask me. So we get a confessional from Jill where she explains that she loves Jerry. Jerry's funny and hits with these one-liners. And again, I've noticed that Jill continually either tries to be the one delivering the one-liner or tries to give credit to the one-liners to everybody but Bethany. And remember the season one finale, the whole thing was Bethany and these hilarious one-liners. I feel like that's Jill's way of trying to knock on Bethany and act like she's not that special, like somebody else could take her place on the show. It's just a, it's just a bit shady. So we see them arrive. They get out of the car, and Kelly, in that freaking high pitched, annoying voice, she's like, "Where are we going?" It's so annoying. I just I, I don't know how you stand more than five minutes in a room with Kelly. But they go in, and Jerry is just crazy in a very funny way. 
And I almost feel like Jill maybe called Jerry and said, we're trying to rehabilitate Kelly's reputation after Kelly just made a complete ass of herself on the show. Because the way that Jerry is fawning all over her, oh, if I were gay, what I'd do to you, you're just absolutely beautiful. And Jill's like, isn't she? It's just, it just seems very set up. And again, Jill, it's, she's like trying to produce the show and it's just falling flat. But Jerry has these two dogs. I think they're both pugs. One sings, as she explains, and and gives a demonstration. And then Jerry goes over her donation, which is a butterfly pendant. And as she explains, they signify freedom. It's kind of her signature. You can see in the shop, there's a bunch of butterflies kind of hanging down from the ceiling. It's clearly Jerry's thing. It's her signature. And she explains that the pendant retails for $2,800. And it's weird, she then kind of goes on to justify it. Like, I didn't want to give something too expensive. I wanted to make sure there's something that everyone could bid on, like justifying her nice donation. It's like, Jerry, this is perfectly nice. You don't have to worry about it. And so as we're meeting her dogs, they say, you know, what do you feed these ones? Because she picks up the second one. She says, oh, here's Fatso. And Jill's like, that other one wasn't Fatso? Oh, no. She picks up this huge, super chubby pug. And as Jerry says, they eat eggs and omelets and cheese. I'm a veterinarian's dream. And Kelly's confessional, she explains that Jerry was wacky and fun. And she does she does actually do a pretty good impression of Jerry because it's kind of that same high-pitched voice that Kelly does. And as Kelly said, she thought she was going to try to stuff her with candy and hug her, which that also seemed a bit strange. I just, she was saying, if I was gay, what would I would do to you? Oh my gosh. And I don't know if that's like a someone I'd think was trying to stuff me with candy and hug me. I, the whole thing is just, like I said, Kelly can't take the temperature of the room. And as they're sitting there and they're fawning over Kelly, Jill explains, yeah, we're trying to find a nice guy for her. Like a nice one, Jill says. And I just felt like, again, she's trying to replace Bethany, right? The whole thing with Bethany was she's trying to find her a date. She, she was setting her up, trying to set her up with the tennis pro, if you remember that. And I feel like, again, Jill, in an underhanded way, is like, all right, I'll take that storyline and I'll shift it on to Kelly. And I just, I got that same vibe that I got with the purse shopping scene where she was going to go buy her bee bag, if you remember, for her birthday. I, I do, I can't help it, but it seems to me very obvious that Jill is being underhanded with Kelly and is trying to take a slight at Bethany by doing so. But Jerry continues to be absolutely hilarious. And the scene ends with her saying to Kelly, well, would you take a 51-year-old Jewish woman? My God, you're beautiful. It's pretty hilarious. So then we cut back to Luann's townhouse with Bethany and Rosie at the, the dinner cooking class. And I was surprised, actually, that they went back to Luann's townhouse. I thought that scene was over. But Bethany goes on to then explain that she's doing a Moroccan fashion show, which I thought maybe that's why they threw that back in here to set up the scene at the Moroccan fashion show. And then, of course, it is because she then asked Luann for some runway walking tips since Luann was a former model. And I couldn't help but notice she's wearing that Leah Sophia necklace again, the circle necklace with the initials engraved in it, the one that I have. Seems to be one of her favorites this season. And so Luann asks, you know, what's your vibe? And Bethany says, well, I want to be like the sexy Moroccan exotic model. And Bethany says she looks bitchy when she doesn't smile. So she has to put a little bit of a smirk on when she walks. And as Luann says, being a former model, she certainly knows how to walk the walk. And so Luann explains that she was mostly a print model, but she has done some runway and she can definitely help. And so Luann then does her her walk just to give Bethany an example. And I have to say she looks great. She walks great. She's absolutely beautiful. She's tall, thin. She's classy. 
And then Bethany, it's her turn. And again, this is one of the reasons why we love her. She says, I then busted into my walk. And of course, I look like a friggin' moron. And I just love that she's, you know, you've got Luann who's like, I totally know what I'm doing, darling. And then you've got Bethany, like, I look like a fucking moron. It's so real and honest. We just love it. So Bethany goes to walk and literally Bethany takes one step and Luann's like, stop, stop. And it's hilarious. Bethany's like, I already fucked up. Like, how, how is this possible? So they continue to practice and they're they're doing the walk. And Bethany, she looks uncomfortable, right? She's not a model. And the scene ends with Bethany saying, I, I don't think Michael Kors is going to be calling me anytime soon. Let's be real. So now it's the night of the Moroccan fashion show. We open up with Bethany. We see her getting her makeup done. It looks like she's at the event. She explains that she was asked to not only host and MC the event, but also walk in it. And in her confessional, she explains that she's in for a little more than she bargained for. The names of the designers are very exotic. She's having a hard time pronouncing them, let alone being nervous about walking and emceeing the show. And so she's nervous. And we watch her get her hair and makeup ready while she goes over her cards to make sure that she's not going to blow any of these names. And we see her explain, and I thought this was very sweet. She says, all the girls are coming to support her, and that makes her really happy, except Kelly, of course. So Bethany's publicist shows up. Who gets a name flash? Lori Levin. And Lori tries to kind of play it cool and say, oh, Kelly had another event. And Bethany's like, yeah, let's be real. She just didn't respond. Charming. So you can see where Kelly's at, right? She didn't even bother responding to Bethany. And here we have Jill, though, kissing her ass and giving her airtime. Again, it's just you see what Jill's up to and it's, it's not good. So as the event starts to get in full swing, we see Alex and Simon arrive Jill arrives with Allie and Brad. Jill explains that she and Brad went shopping. They bought this Naeem Khan gown. It's absolutely beautiful. It kind of looks like a sequined muumu. She clearly wanted to get into the Moroccan vibe. Then uh, Ramona and Mario arrive. Everybody looks great. And it's time for the show to start. So Bethany is announced as the MC, And as Luann says, Bethany was up there trying to do her best Kathy Griffin because she does a kind of like a stand-up routine. She's trying to throw some comedy in there. She's pretty good. She's nervous, but it's pretty good. So the show starts. And as Luann says, she did everything I told her to, as if it's like Luann's credit to be given. But Jill gives her props too. So we see Bethany. She walks. She has this beautiful wedding dress kind of gown thing on. She looks fantastic. Jill says she can definitely see herself wearing the clothes. Alex explains that she's a fashion risk taker, so she could see herself wearing one of these gowns, which should give you a vibe of how kind of crazy they are. They were kind of like punkish, Moroccan. It was a real interesting vibe, but they seem to be beautifully made. And I noticed the scene ends with Ramona saying that on a scale of 1 to 10, Bethany was a 12. And I don't think people are going to give Ramona enough credit for these early seasons. And again, this is before it was known that being a total bitch and and being horrible to your castmates was going to get you more airtime. Because in these early seasons, I do actually find that Ramona seems to be incredibly supportive of her castmates. Jill wasn't as supportive, and that's supposed to be her best friend. But Ramona's sitting there and she's given Bethany major props, and I really liked it. And all in all, it seemed like the event was a success for Bethany and definitely got her some good PR. So now we cut to Jill. It's the morning of her charity event. She says she didn't sleep and she has to go to the space to prepare. We see she's going through boxes, getting all of the auction items ready, getting the gift bags ready. And Ramona is there. It looks like Ramona has offered to help her. 
Ramona has her true renewal sample in the bag. And the guy, it is, a, it's a small sample. And one of the guys is like, wow, that's small. And Ramona immediately, it's like, it's a sample. Duh. Like, don't be so rude. <laughs> I love how defensive she got about her product. So we see Jill. She's ordering everybody around. She seems a bit frantic. And, you know, it's her charity event. She's, she's nervous. She's all over the place. And then they see the signage over the bar. So we've got a skinny girl bar. Clearly, Frangelica, the company, has, or Frangelico, sorry, donated the bar. And there are, you can see up above the bar, there's like five or six boxes. It looks like they have kind of butterfly photos in them, just as art behind the bar at the event center. And so there looks to be about maybe five Frangelico signs. And then there's one Skinny Girl cocktail sign. Clearly, they've been custom made for the event. They they pop right in. And we're seeing the Skinny Girl Cocktails logo that Alex has been working on for the first time, which is Bethany sitting in a martini glass holding the cocktail shaker. It's super cute, I have to say. I know Bethany in the end, the, the liquor company as she sells Skinny Girl Cocktails doesn't want to go with something that looks just like her, but it looks great. And then Ramona, and it's hard the way it's cut. I can't tell if this is Ramona who really notices and gets Jill involved in terms of stirring the pot or who knows the order of actual operation with editing and production. But Ramona goes over and asks Jill what she thinks and Jill fucking goes off. Why didn't I know about this? Why didn't she say anything to me? This would have been a great branding opportunity for me. Why didn't I know I had space for sponsors? And she's just losing her shit over this. And Christina's there and she seems to be backing Bethany up. She says, look, I just think she's working too fast. It's not that big of a deal. And as Jill explains, you know, this is more about me and not about her, which again, it's like she's so obsessed with the publicity of it all in the show. Jill, that's not about you at all. It's about the charity, but she just can't stop. And so in Jill's confessional, she says, You know, it's great that she got us free booze, but she just sat there at the charity meeting and didn't say one word as she heard us fighting over the step and repeat. And I can see a little bit what Jill is saying, but Jill then just takes it to the next fucking level. She says, look, in good conscience, I just couldn't leave it up there. It's like, in good conscience, you couldn't let the people who got you a $20,000 bar give themselves PR over it. I don't know who you're going to get in the future to give donations, but that's kind of the point of the donations is they get free publicity out of it, too. And you can see the the gal who I think her name's Andrea. We saw her in the episode where they were picking out the food and Jill was going on and on and complaining. You can see she's totally uncomfortable. And she's like, look, you know, your guys are going to have to deal with this. Like, I'm not going to say that I took this down. And so Jill wants all the signage taken down. Which, by the way, it looked freaking great. It looked so much better with the signage up there than when they took it down, which is, again, another misstep by Jill. She's blinded by her jealousy, her desire for publicity, her anger, whatever it is. But Ramona jumps in and says, we'll leave two of them up. So Ramona seemed to at least, even though she is stirring the pot, she seems to be a little bit more on top of her game and a little bit more reasonable. So Andrea, the event planner, is like, "Um, what am I supposed to say? And Jill's like, I'm not lying. I'm not lying. I just left her a voicemail. So if she comes in and says anything, you can just throw it to Ramona. It's like such a fucking cop out. 
And as Jill says, it's unfair and it's unequitable. Come on. And they and they walk away. And it's just, you can just start to see the evil seep out of Jill where she is just, she can't be happy for anybody else. She just wants to pick fights. She wants there to be a problem. And then we get this little scene. It's it's one of those scenes kind of like where Kelly was running in the street or the scene with Jill and her sister at the her sister's radio show. It's a very quick little scene, one that used to pop up in between commercials. And Jill is on a freaking rampage. So she's talking to Ramona and says that they both agreed that they would pay $5,000 to be on the step and repeat. And I have to say with Ramona, I don't, I'm really disappointed that she went this route because we don't see this until this culmination here. But after Ramona's telling her how tacky it is to promote her business, in the end, it looks like they both agreed to pay $5,000 just like Frank Mueller did and get their businesses on the step and repeat. I really wish Ramona would have stood in her principle because she was right and said, fine, Jill, if you want to pay $5,000 and promote your own business as the charity leader and be tacky, go for it. But I'm not having anything to do with this. That to me would have been the ultimate in your face. But apparently now they're both going to have their businesses on the step and repeat in exchange for paying $5,000. So Jill just is going on and on. Ramona, did you give your credit card? She's asking, did Ramona give her credit card? Do you have Ramona's credit card? Credit card, credit card, credit card. And Christina, did you have Ramona's credit card? And she's like, yes, I have your credit card. I have Ramona's credit card. And... Jill walks away going, well, fine, whatever. I, I I, don't think Ramona gave her credit card. I totally think she's a liar. And then we see this little on-the-spot confessional with Ramona where she's like, did you give your five grand? Did you give your five grand? It's so hilarious. And that's the end of that short little scene. But I just think it says so much about Jill. So then we open up on the charity event. It's finally arrived. Jill has on that beautiful Zhang toy dress that we saw in earlier episodes. It's um one sleeve black on top and it's red and black sequin. I think he said it was Native American inspired. It's really beautiful. So Jill arrives. She's with Allie and Brad. Side note, Allie is wearing this blue dress uh, that has blue and white flowers across the top and then it's just a drop dress. And oddly enough, it's the same dress that Dina Manzo wore the night of Teresa Judice's table flip in season one of Real Housewives of New Jersey. It's like, I'm like, do these people send them all these dresses? Is it just because they live in New York and New Jersey that these things are out there? I just always think it's interesting when the housewives end up wearing the same stuff across the cities. And then Alex and Simon arrive. Alex is in a beautiful, tight red dress. She looks stunning. Simon, on the other hand, is in red leather pants. They almost look like latex, actually, not even leather. They're shiny latex. There's black stitching up the sides of them. And he has like a black patent leather jacket on. He looks freaking ridiculous. And we see Jill on the step and repeat with Alex and Simon. And she's like, you did not wear that. Who did you want to to torture you first, me or Ramona? And it's like, again, I think he does it. A, he likes the attention. But B, I also think they want to buy designer labels, but they can't afford it. So I just have this feeling that they go to kind of sample sales or they find stuff on sale in department stores, which is always the shit that nobody wants to buy. So it's like, oh, this is Louis Vuitton. But it's like the ugliest thing you've ever seen. It was probably on clearance. I have a feeling that's what's going on with this with this outfit. And then the Count and Luann arrive. Of course, they they both look great. Bethany arrives. Kelly arrives. Ramona and Mario arrive. And then we see Kelly's confessional. And it's just part of this like bullshit kill, uh, Kelly and Jill nonsense. Kelly's going on about so many people are like, look at me. Look how much money I have. And Jill is just not like that. 
I think this is part of this Kelly and Jill plan to make themselves look good, and I'm not fucking buying it. But as Ramona says, we all looked great, the charity event looked great, and we get a classic Ramona mispronunciation as she says, kudos to all of us. Not kudos, kudos to all of us. I love it. So Jill explains that the event was sold out and it was packed. And then there's this scene. And again, I always say I love the interactions between Bethany and Alex. I feel like Bethany's authenticity really puts Alex at ease. And we get to see Bethany and Alex walk up to the bar and they get to see the Skinny Girl logo design for the first time. And it's such a sweet scene. They're super excited. They hug. They talk about how great it looks. And they're just really excited about it. And I loved this moment. And I really wish the two of them would have had more scenes just being friends together. It was just a it's a really nice dynamic. And you can tell it looks like what they ended up doing was perhaps the back of these Frangelico signs were just all black because it looks like they just turned them around and they kept one or two Frangelico signs. They kept the one skinny girl sign and then everything else is just blacked out. And it's just so wasteful and so petty. And I think it's great proof that Bethany did not know what Frangelico was going to do with the bar. Because as she and Alex walk up to the bar and are so excited about the Skinny Girl logo, they don't notice that there's a bunch of Frangelico signs turned around, right? They're just super excited. They're talking about the logo and how great it looks, especially with the black background. There is not one mention about what happened to all the Frangelico signs. Again, I don't think Bethany had any clue, but Jill was not going to waste an opportunity to roast her. So then we see Kelly and Simon talking and Kelly's confessional. She says, Simon's like a young girl who just can't get enough about fashion. And I find it really refreshing. And again, it's it's the wrong word, like refreshing that he's excited about fashion in fucking New York City. Like, again, she just uh, she it's like she just picks words and says them. She has no idea what she's talking about. But we see them chatting fashion. Kelly is like, I have to see your closet. She explains she loves man's fashion. And Simon's explaining that in New York, you can get away with anything. And he loves to do it. And he's clearly trying to get away with a major fashion ugly moment. And then we see Andrea, the party planner. She's talking to Bethany. They're they're getting a drink at the Skinny Girl Bar. They're so excited. And Andrea is explaining to her that there was a bit of bullshit about the signage. And I love in this moment, even Bethany gives credit to Alex. She's like, Alex did the logo. And I thought that was, it just, it shows the difference between Jill and Bethany. Jill is taking everything for herself. Bethany has no problem giving credit where credit is due. And we get Bethany's confessional. She's like, yeah, no shit. The liquor company that donated $20,000 in liquor wanted their signage up. Like, no, duh. Give me a freaking break. And as she explains, it's fine that she was upset about it, but we should have talked about it. And to talk shit behind her back to Ramona, of all people, who Jill hates and nonstop attacks at this stage in the game, as Bethany explains, she's not having it. And so Bethany tells Andrea she's going to go find Jill and talk to her now. She doesn't want this to linger. She's got to she's about to explode and she's got to get it off of her chest. And so when Bethany approaches Jill, Jill will not engage. And she's not going to engage because she's fucking wrong and knows it. So Jill's trying to do the now is not the time. And Bethany's like, look, I need five minutes. And and Jill's going on, you're not going to ruin my night. And Bethany's like, I'm not trying to ruin your night, but I need an apology. And Jill's like, you don't know what happened. And, and you know what? You owe me an apology. And Bethany's like, I know exactly what happened. You walked in, you saw all the signage, and you talked shit about me with Ramona. 
And Bethany goes on and explains. And if you if you catch it, she says, Jill, you said to me, you do the bar and we'll make it a skinny girl bar. And now all of a sudden you're fucking pissed that there's a skinny girl bar. It's absolute bullshit. And so they kind of battle it out. They kind of battle it out. And I couldn't help but notice like Jill's earring keeps getting stuck in her hair. And I just like, it's very distracting. I'm like, fix her fucking earring. And at the end of all of it, Instead of saying she's sorry and instead of Jill realizing she's wrong because she's a narcissist, she can't realize she's wrong, she looks at Bethany and she goes, then leave, which is fucking shocking. And you can kind of see that Bethany is shocked because she's got like veins popping out of the side of her. She's so upset, right? Her head, she's just red. She's got veins popping out of her forehead. And she's stunned a second when Jill says, then leave. She sits there for a second and, and doesn't really say anything, which is rare for Bethany. So the two of them kind of walk off in different directions. And Bethany then immediately goes to Ramona and is like, I've got to talk to you. Everyone says you were making the biggest deal about this. And Ramona's like, look, you girls are out of control. We're at a charity event. And you can tell here comes Ramona just trying to appease her, right? The 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 peacemaker and Ramona's coming out. She's like, it's okay. We're at a charity event. We're, we're going to have a good time. And Bethany is like, look, she asked me to get her a bar. I got her a bar. And the company that donated put up signage. I didn't know what was going on. I have a freaking job. Like, you, you guys are such assholes for sitting there talking shit about me, especially in front of cameras. But Ramona seems to be able to calm down Bethany. She says, we're going to have a beautiful night. Let's all run out, relax. It's enough. And so we see Bethany say she knows it's Jill's big moment in a second. She's going to have to go up and talk and she wants to make things right with Jill. So she goes up, they kind of make up, they they give a hug. And again, her earring is, Jill's earring is stuck in her hair again. It's like someone fix her fucking earring. But it's time to to do the speeches. Jill's daughter, Allie, goes up and does a talk. It, you can tell it's very loud out there. And I couldn't help but notice they flashed to Luann. Her necklace looks like some sort of Star Trek number. It's pretty funny. Check it out. But then Jill goes up. It's her turn to give a speech. Jill says she wants everyone to be quiet for two minutes. She knows they can do it. And then you see Ramona kind of say, yeah, right, like as if she could do it. (laughs) Again, they just can't help but taking digs at each other. And so then it's time for the live auction. Jill runs the live auction they, I can't tell if it's like really nobody was bidding or they do it for the drama of the show. But Jill's saying that she was nervous and going to have a breakdown. But then things finally started to pick up. Bidding starts. And then I have to say, I noticed there's this bird painting that goes up for auction. I'm pretty sure Bobby bought it because I think it ends up in Jill's kitchen later on. So again, Jill is spending a fortune on all of this. And so things go well. Jill says, now we can party. At the very end, Jill then gives awards. She says Mario's business made awards for each of them. It's like a nice little glass award that for all the chairs of the event and for being on the board. And I just I kind of hated that. I thought, of course, Jill thinks an award is necessary. And then she it's like then she turns around. And she's like, and Bethany got us the bar and gives her like all this credit. And I feel like that was Jill being super guilty about what she did and doing what Jill would want, which is getting a lot of credit. But that's not what Bethany wants, because then Bethany grabs the microphone. and She's like, Jill and Christina did everything. We did nothing like do not give me credit. And as Jill's like screaming and giving everyone an award, she totally forgets Kelly. And then she's like, oh, sorry, Kelly, which I just love. It's like, yeah, sure. One of your good friends. Right. But the ladies all come upstage, they get their credit, they take a picture. And then we get the end of the party. We see, and I thought this was very telling, we see Ramona and Mario, they're talking to somebody, and that person is asking them how the two of them met. And she said, oh, he used to stare at my butt in the gym. 
And she says, out of all the guys, you got me. And the way that Mario says, yeah, I got her, it's like he's totally not thrilled about it. And I would be so sad if my husband said something like that to somebody at a party like, yeah, I got her. It's just, it's so telling of what's to come in the future. But as Ramona says, you know, we're a bit of opposites and opposites really do compliment. And then we start to get the end of season music. You guys all know it. It's before they flash up their, um, it's that finale music before they do their kind of final sayings of what's going on and the kind of what's been happening with the wives since. And it's so funny, but I always, I every season of every housewife show, when this music starts to run, it makes me kind of sad. I always know it's like, oh, the season's over. It's just, you know it, what's, to be, what's coming, right? So they start playing the finale music. And we get those screenshot overviews for each of the wives, like the where are they now updates. And so we start with Ramona and Ramona says, always the entrepreneur. Ramona is selling a new jewelry line on a successful home shopping network. And then it says Ramona and Mario just celebrated their 18th wedding anniversary, which I think is so telling because I've always had this feeling that if you remember, I Ramona likes to act like she's younger than she is. We didn't even really know how old she was until much later on in the series. And again, she looks freaking fantastic. But I always had this feeling that when they did this renewal of vows in season three, that it was really their 20th wedding anniversary. And if you do the math, if they had already celebrated their 18th wedding anniversary, it perhaps could have been their 20th wedding anniversary. Not sure, who knows. But when she says that it's their 17th wedding anniversary, clearly that's not true because right here in the in the closing little overview it says it's they it's their 18th wedding anniversary. So then we have Luann. We see she's got a clip of her talking about life is about the art of seduction. And her little overview says Luann is currently seducing the country into buying her new etiquette book, Class with the Countess. And Victoria is undecided whether she wants to return to boarding school. Interesting. Then we see Bethany. She says she's always been a cross between Martha Stewart meets Carrie Bradshaw. And she doesn't know if you can have it all. And it remains to be seen. And so her overview says, with her New York Times bestselling book, Naturally Thin, and a new man, Bethany just may have it all. And I think that's a reference to Jason Hoppy, who's about to be debuted on season three. And then it's time for Alex. We get a clip of Alex and Simon dancing on the dance floor. And he's just so gross. He's like, he's got his hands like right under her boobs. It's so fucking inappropriate. And as she's going on, she says, our friends always tell us that they're looking for their Simon or their Alex. And we're so glad we found each other. It's like, gag me. And her little overview says, as relationship role models, the natural next step for Alex and Simon is to write a book about parenting. It's so shady. I just love it. Then they cut to Kelly and in typical uh, Kelly fashion, she's like, we got to go. I have this other thing to go to. It's like you're on the board of a charity and you've got another thing to go to. She's just always on to the bigger and better. And as she says in her confessional, I don't wake up every day saying I'm the luckiest person in the world. Like, look at me. I wake up every day thinking I'm the luckiest person in the world. How did this happen? It's like, oh, God, she's so fucking delusional. And so we see her overview says the courtroom drama driven by Kelly's latest breakup is finally over. And she continues to focus on her beautiful children and writing career. 
And if you didn't know, she was in 2009, one of her boyfriends accused her of punching him and accused her of assault. And so she had this big like legal battle that was going on. That's really all they talk about it during the season. It is brought up in the reunion, which we're going to get into for the next episode, but to be continued on that. And then lastly, Jill, because of course, they're going to close out with Jill. We see her screaming for someone to fix her makeup, and she's just a total monster. And her overview says, Jill's hard work raised $140,000 for creaky joints, and her next big project is preparing Allison for college applications. So then we see the ladies, they all get together. You know how they do... It's very common now. They usually are all together in a group and they do a little toast and say cheers. And then they close us out for the season finale episode with that classic Ramona and Simon dance scene that I mentioned. And Ramona first walks up to Simon. She's like, what the hell are you wearing? It's a cocktail party, not a disco party. And she says, it's just a little tutu, tutu foo-foo. And then out of nowhere, she grabs Simon's hand and they just start dancing And you can see that Simon is pleasantly surprised that Ramona is not only just giving him the time of day, but is like engaging with her and engaging with him and dancing. And so they have this hilarious dance scene, the two of them, and it goes into slow motion. And it ends with Simon saying, for someone who's a few years older, she's a sharp mover herself, which I love that he points out she's a few years older. And then it ends on a screenshot of the two of them hysterically laughing together dancing. And then it fades out on the season two finale. Well, I can't believe it, but that's it for the Roni season two finale, Charity Wives. Join us next week as we break down part one, because yes, there's two parts of the season two Roni reunion. And as always, please follow and like us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter at Deep Fix Podcast. And download our podcast at Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other places you get your podcasts. Until next time, see y'all then.